Well, as we study the Word of God together this morning, I would invite you to take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, as we continue our study in the book of Ephesians, and specifically on the armor of God and spiritual warfare in this last part of Ephesians chapter 6. Before we get into the message this morning, I just want to mention that I am so thankful because many of you, especially in this part of the series, have been uh, sharing input with me, uh, giving me some good thoughts, some insights maybe I didn't see. Um, So I always appreciate the feedback, appreciate your thoughts and what you're thinking as we study through this together as the church, as the body of Christ And some of you have shared resources with me, and what I like to do over the next month is uh, put some of those resources in the bulletin. The first one is in the back of the bulletin today. There is a prayer for putting on the armor of God that was shared with me. It's from Charles Stanley, and it's an excellent prayer, something that maybe you can use in thinking about putting on the armor of God on a daily basis, and I like what one of our church secretaries, Holly Marinak, did. She put it back to back so that if you want to tear it out of the bulletin and just take it with you, carry it with you, you can do that. Um, So thank you. And again, we'll have some other resources in the weeks to come. This morning, we are looking at the second part of verse 17 of chapter 6, which simply says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is... The Word of God. Paul has, the Apostle Paul has exhorted us in this last chapter of the book of Ephesians to put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We have looked at the belt of truth, we have looked at the breastplate of righteousness. We have looked at the shoes of readiness given by the gospel of peace. We have looked at the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. We took the last two weeks looking at the helmet of salvation and this morning the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Well our first point this morning is an offensive weapon. All of the armor we have looked at so far have been defensive weapons. They have been given to ward off the attacks which come to us from the devil, from the evil one. And some of you may have heard this before or studied this before, but maybe some of you haven't. The Lord has also given us in this armor one offensive weapon. And that offensive weapon is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Every warrior needs a weapon for offensive warfare. And the weapon God has chosen is his word, the Bible. Actually, it is that which we take from the Bible that we use as our sword. It's as if we have this great storehouse, this great arsenal that we are able to draw from as we take up the sword of the Spirit. Now let me give you just a little background on the word sword here. The term used for sword here is not the broad sword that I refer to with the helmet of salvation. It isn't 
the big sword that you held like a baseball bat. This has reference to a normal sword that would be carried by a soldier. It could be anything from a six-inch dagger to an 18-inch sword. But I think most specifically, as we think about the sword of the Spirit, it is the dagger, which I believe Paul is referring to here, the two-edged sword, razor sharp on both sides, razor sharp in its point, that would be carried in a sheath by the soldier, and it would be used in hand-to-hand combat. It would be used in the very heat of battle when the battle was the most intense and you were face to face with the enemy and it is what you would thrust into the enemy as you did battle with him. Well, our second point this morning is the word of God. And what I want to share with you here is really important to understanding the sword of the spirit. There are two famous Greek words which are translated in scripture as the term Word, W-O-R-D, word. The first is the most common. It is the word logos. Logos refers to the Bible as a whole, to the whole of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible in context, the Bible in its historical background in, in how the books fit together, the themes, the systematic study of the overall word of God. In fact, in the Gospel of John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, referring to Jesus himself as the Word, because he is the living Word of God. In John chapter 1, when it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, it is the word Logos. Jesus is the Logos. However, in the second part of Ephesians 6:17 that is not that is not the word that is used here Paul uses the Greek word rhema r h e m a and it is important to understand the meaning of this word if we are to properly use the sword of the spirit the rhema of god literally means the sayings of god And it refers to the fact that God has available wisdom in his word, in scripture, for your specific situations. In other words, the Bible, as I mentioned, is like a great storehouse. And it has all these swords in it. And you pull out just the right sword to attack the enemy in a very specific situation. The best at least for me personally, the best definition I've ever found for the word rhema is from Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words. I'm just going to quote from Vine's, and it's going to be on the screen here this morning. And this is an important definition. The significance of rhema, as distinct from logos, is exemplified in the injunction, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Ephesians 6.17. Here the reference is not, notice this, here the reference is not to the whole Bible as such, but to the individual scripture which the Spirit brings to our remembrance for use in time of need. A prerequisite being the regular storing of the mind with scripture. This is the rhema the individual scripture 
which the Spirit brings to our remembrance for use in time of need. Famous verse related to this. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word rhema of God. In Romans 10, 17, Paul is saying here, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. As you read God's word, he will pull out sayings that become alive and touch your heart. You're reading through the Bible or you're listening to a sermon or you're in a small group study and you experience a verse that just jumps off the page to you. All of a sudden, you understand it like you've never understood it before, and you understand how that specific verse applies to a specific situation in your life, and your faith increases. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the rhema of God. My guess is most of you here have had those kind of experiences, and I pray that you will continue where the verse just leaps off the page to you, And you say, I get it. I get it. Now I really understand what that means. And it becomes yours. That passage of scripture, that verse of scripture becomes yours like never before. And the rhema, the saying of God, by the illumination of the Holy Spirit. We've talked before about the doctrine of illumination. Where the Holy Spirit takes the word of God and God speaks to you through his word. And so we are taking the sword of the Spirit and thrusting it into a specific situation in our life and circumstances. Oh, I want you to understand what this means this morning, and I want to make it as simple as I possibly can. I want this to be relatable. I want this to be applicable to you, whether you have been a Christian for 50 years or whether you've been a Christian for less than a year. You are struggling with forgiveness. There is a sin. Maybe it's a recent sin. Maybe it's a sin way from your past. And you just don't feel forgiven. You are struggling. You're wondering if God can ever forgive you for this. But you remember. You remember 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You go through a time where you just don't feel the love of God. You feel like the love of God is distant. You begin to wonder in your humanity, in your sinful nature, whether God really loves you. But you remember Romans 8, 39, that there is nothing, nothing in all existence, nothing in all creation that can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You go through a time in your life where you feel alone. You just feel so Alone, so isolated, like you don't have a friend in the world, but you remember Hebrews 13, 5, for God, for he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And you remember that specific word of God 
and you take up the sword of the Spirit and you attack the enemy with that sword. You go through a time in your life where you are afraid. You're just afraid. Maybe it's a situation that you face. Maybe it's just an unfounded fear, but you're afraid and you remember Psalm 46.1, that God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in our time of need. And when you do that, when you do those things, you are taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, specific ramus from God's Word that you thrust into your specific situation. Well, there is a verse is closely related to this and it is our third point and it is the double-edged sword coming back to that sharp two-edged sword sharp razor sharp on both sides razor sharp at the point which the Roman soldier would always carry with him a key parallel verse on the sword of the spirit is Hebrews 4:12 Hebrews 4:12 says for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I love that verse. The Word of God is alive. It is alive. It is the only book in the entire universe about which that can be said. The Word of God, the Bible, is alive. And this verse presents a graphic portrayal of the power of the Word of God as a sword. And what I'm going to say here is a little bit graphic, maybe even appears to be a little bit violent, but bear with me as I try to share this with you. When the Roman soldier took that sharp, I mean, you'd cut your finger if you touched it. He took that dark or sharp double-edged sword in hand-to-hand combat. He would thrust it into his enemy and then he would twist it and then he would thrust up and he would thrust down and that double-edged sword would penetrate all the way to the enemy's bone all the way to the marrow which was the deepest part or which is the deepest part of the human bone in a very similar way the word of God is powerful and effective. Sometimes we thrust that into people who are under the grip of the evil one, who have been blinded by the enemy, and we have to thrust the sword of the Spirit into them. And instead of separating joints and marrow, the Bible says it goes to the depths of soul and spirit, which, or, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, which simply means it goes to the deepest part of who you are. Through the sword of the Spirit, Scripture penetrates to the deepest part of your being. And sometimes it happens to us. Not just to the enemy, but to us. We're listening to a sermon. We're reading the Word of God. And all of a sudden it cuts us in a good way. It cuts us to heal us. Sometimes when we hear the word of God, it makes us feel awkward and uncomfortable. Sometimes it makes us angry. 
Sometimes it fills us with guilt. And that's the sword of the Spirit penetrating to the deepest part of our being. But folks, the sword, just like the Roman sword, the sword of the Spirit is no good if we don't take it up and use it. The double-edged sword of the Spirit is the most dreaded weapon we can use against the enemy. A metal sword may pierce the body, but the word of God pierces the heart. A metal sword may get dull as you use it, but the sword of the Spirit gets sharper when you use it. A metal sword may wound to hurt, but the word of God wounds to heal, even as I mentioned in our own lives. You may be ahead of me on this one, but no one, no one wielded the sword of the Spirit better than our Lord Jesus. No one did a better job of wielding that sword and showing us how to use that sword than Jesus himself. And I know many of you are familiar with this, but I want to talk about his temptation in the wilderness. And it says the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness and he is tempted by the devil. And I want to just read this for you from Matthew chapter 4. Just listen as I read. I'm not going to read every single verse, but I want you to think carefully of how Jesus uses the sword of the Spirit. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand in the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. Three things I want you to think about from that passage. Number one, every quote that Jesus quoted was from the Old Testament. Obviously, there wasn't a New Testament yet. That's how important the Old Testament is. One of our elders, John Leaf, on Sunday night, September 8th, is going to share with us about the importance of the Old Testament. I want you to think about that. Jesus fought. He fought the devil with the sword of the Spirit using the Old Testament. Secondly, I want you to notice that Jesus used specific rhemas for specific situations. Whatever the devil came at him with, he responded with a rhema. He responded with the sword of the Spirit. And then third, in verse 11 at the very end of Matthew chapter, or of that section of Matthew 4, says the devil left him. Don't you love that? Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written, and the devil 
left him. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, I want us to think about how this impacts, affects the way we learn Scripture, the way we learn the Word of God. Our fourth point is two ways, two ways to learn the Word of God. First, we need to learn the Word of God generally and doctrinally. We need to have a good grasp of the Bible as a whole, its themes, its context, as I mentioned even at the beginning of the message, how the books of the Bible fit together, what the writers intended to write, the audiences to whom they were writing. We need that. And do you know what that is? That's the belt of truth. It's the belt of truth. In fact, you take the swords of the Spirit from the belt of truth. Now, the belt of truth must come first. Okay, The belt of truth must come first because we need to know about the Bible as a whole, and we need to be very, very careful that we don't take specific verses out of context and use them improperly. So we need to learn the Word of God generally and doctrinally. But second, we need to learn the Word of God specifically, applying rhemas to specific situations. Now, how do we do this? How do we learn it specifically? Well, we learn it as we keep studying. And as we keep reading, we use Bible study tools that will give us guidance on specific verses that will apply or that apply to specific situations, specific areas of temptation, specific areas of trial and hardship, specific areas of evangelism. However, we may use the sword of the Spirit. We may find wise counsel from knowledgeable Christians. You may know men and women who can help you. What does the word of God say about this specific situation? I'm going through this trial. What does the word of God say about this? David Jeremiah, in his excellent study on the armor of God, says he believes one of the most important ways we develop rhemas is through memorizing the word of God. That as we memorize the word of God, God will bring those specific verses to our remembrance. David Jeremiah says, Always remember Psalm 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So I want you to think carefully about this twofold method of learning the word of God. You are a soldier of the cross. You're an ambassador of Christ. A soldier needs that classroom training and that field training time. We do. We need to take Bible study classes, classes about the Word of God. We need to read good books that will help us to better understand the Word of God. We need sermons. We need small group Bible studies. However, however there has to come a point in all of our lives we, where we are able to take the, the word of God and to use it in the heat of the battle. There has to come a point where we learn to take up the sword of the spirit and to use it in our lives because we all go through it and some of you may be going through it right now. 
when the heat of the battle is on, when the battle is most intense, when you feel like you're in hand-to-hand combat with the devil himself, you need to learn to take up the sword of the Spirit. To every brother, to every sister here this morning, God wants you to take the sword of the Spirit and to attack the enemy. I close this morning with a story. It is a story that I heard many years ago, but has stayed with me these many years. It was a story that was told by well-known author and speaker Chuck Swindoll. He was talking about a time where he was traveling with a group of pastors. And they were going to various places. And some of the pastors in the group engaged in a conversation with some unbelievers, some unchurched people that they came across. And they began to get in an argument with them. And the two parties began to argue back and forth. And Chuck Swindoll said this. He said, it bothered me. Though they were my friends and my brothers, it bothered me the way that these pastors reacted. He said it got to be a pretty heated argument with these unbelievers and they were just trying to out-argue one another. And he said, I so desperately just wanted to say, give them the gospel. Give them the gospel. Just give them the simple gospel and use the word of God. And then he said this. He said, folks, you have the sword of the Spirit. Use it. Use it. When you are sharing with unbelievers whose minds have been blinded by Satan himself, in love, he said, in love, take the sword of the Spirit and stick it in them. Thrust it into them. Tell them. He said, even if you don't remember the specific reference, it's okay. Unbelievers could care less what the numbers of the reference are. He said, tell them. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Tell them that salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Tell them that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He said, tell them. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, the privilege to become children of God. So whether it is in evangelism or in temptation or in times of trial and suffering, use the sword of the Spirit. Use the sword of the Spirit. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Let's pray together. Father, We thank you that you have given us your mighty sword. Help us to use it with great effectiveness because it is your word. It is your living word. Lord, encourage us and challenge us all this morning to learn your word, to learn it generally and to learn it specifically so we can apply it to those trials and temptations and opportunities that are presented to us throughout our Christian lives.
Guide us, O Lord. Help us to use your sword of the Spirit. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.